share with you one of my favorite uh, uh, personal uh, unique ideas on this week's Torah portion that uh, I might have shared with you bits and pieces of it before, but I don't think I've ever recorded the full idea. This week is Parsha's Noah, the story of Noah and the flood. And the Parsha begins, Ela told us Noah, Noah, Gifsadik, Tamim Hayabedorosaf. Noah, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a Sadik, a righteous person. He was perfect in his generation. And the words in his generation jump out. What does that mean to be perfect in his generation? So there are two ways of approaching that word, those words in his generation. And the Talmud brings two approaches that Rashi quotes here. One is that Noah, Noah was, a, was a tzaddik in his generation. But had he been born in a generation of Avraham, who was a greater tzaddik, a greater righteous person, then he would not have been considered anything. And that approach is very problematic. What do you mean Noah wouldn't have been considered anything had he been in a generation of Avraham? Uh, the next approach is is a little bit better for Noah. It says Noah was righteous in his generation, even in his generation, which was a very depraved, moral, immoral generation. Had he been born in a better generation, he would have been even greater. So the question is really, if we have two ways of looking at it, why should we go with the lesser of the two approaches? Now, I'll just add in a thought that really these two approaches represent um, two different ways of, uh, of relating to education. One way is known as the bell curve. The bell curve is such that a class is graded relative to one's peers. That you might have gotten an 80 on the test, but if the highest score was an 80, so you get an A plus in the class. Even though you got an 80, in relation to everyone else, that was excellent. And that's the approach of saying that Noah in his generation was considered great and his generation was not a great generation, right? But had he been in a generation of, uh, that Noah, Noah was considered great in his generation because relative to everyone else, he was great. But had he been in the generation of Avraham, he would have been considered nothing. That's a bell curve. It's saying that in his, relation to his peers, Noah was great, but really he wasn't objectively speaking all that great. That's the bell curve. The other approach to education is affirmative action. What do I mean by that? Affirmative action states that because uh, African-Americans uh, experience a tremendous amount of, of discrimination in, their, in American society, so therefore they should be allowed to get into colleges even if their grades are not necessarily as good as their peers who might be coming from more privileged backgrounds. So what does this essentially mean? It means, I, the way I understand it, so some people look at it as it, it means it's, it's, it's looking at uh, just this approach of that because they suffered in the past, we have to do more for them now. But I don't, think that's, I don't think that's really at the root of affirmative action. I think what affirmative action is really saying is that because they have more strikes against them, whether you agree with this or not. I think this is the theory. Because they're coming from more 
underprivileged background, harder background. Therefore, even though they only got a B, that B is really an A plus for someone who is coming from a place of privilege. And therefore, they deserve to get into, uh, to be judged at a, at a different level. And that's really the second approach to Noah, that Noah was considered a tzaddik in his generation. But had he been in Avram's generation, he would be even greater because in his generation, with all the strikes against him, with all the negative influences of the society around him, he made it, so to speak. Had he been in a society that was less depraved, he would have made it even greater. So those are two approaches. But the question I want to really address today is what's so bad? Why, If we have an option of saying that Noah was great in his generation, all the more so in, in a better generation, why do we go take the negative approach of saying, had he been in the generation of Avram, he would have been nothing. He wouldn't have even been considered a tzaddik. And how could you say he would have been considered nothing? I mean, he was still, the Torah still calls him a righteous and a perfect person that God walked with him. Do you, how could you say he would have been considered nothing in Avraham's generation? So I want to share with you a novel approach to answer this question. What is the whole idea of a flood? Why, why was the generation punished <coughs> with a flood? We know that there's a concept in the Torah called Mida Keneged Mida. In, uh, in Sanskrit, that might be called karma. Mida Keneged Mida means measure for measure. What goes around comes around. What you put out, that's what you get back. And that's the way that God relates to us in order that we can learn from our mistakes. Look at the bad things that happened in your life, and you can pretty much figure out what the lesson is. So what's the significance of a flood? So the, the Torah and the Talmud tell us that the generation of, of, the, of the flood was really guilty of two main issues, and maybe a third. The, t the two main issues the Torah tells us was, number one, sexual immorality. It says that people were mating with everything, people with people of the same gender, people with people that were married to somebody else, people with animals. And it says that it was so bad that even animals started mating with different types of animals, that it had an influence on, on the whole world that, that pulled after human beings. And that's number one. Number two, another thing is that's, that it says explicitly in the Torah is that they were guilty of stealing. And the Talmud goes on to explain that people stole like just minor, little amounts of stuff from, from, from people to the point that people got ran out of their, of, of their wares in, in the store or in their property without even anyone actually even taking more than a tiny little bit, but just everyone was stealing from everyone. And, and the third thing, which we're not going to address directly, is, is idolatry. But idolatry is kind of like an overarching uh, thing that people do when they want to permit themselves to act immorally. So they start worshiping gods that are not objective. So what's, what does immorality, sexual immorality, and stealing have in common? So I believe the answer is that they both represent a lack of boundaries, a lack of healthy boundaries. When I steal from you or I take what's yours, it's really essentially saying what's mine is yours, what's yours is mine. That there's there's not this distinction between private property, um, and when we talk about sexual immorality, so the Torah says a very interesting thing. It uh, it lists uh, a bunch of forbidden relationships, and in in Leviticus, and one of the things it says is the person who sleeps with their sister, a man who sleeps with a sister, that it's an act of chesed, chesed who. Now chesed this is very surprising because chesed typically means 
an act of kindness. So it's very weird. So the commentaries explain, no, the word chesed is related to a word for an abomination. But the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, says something fascinating. He says it is an act of kindness. What does that mean? What is kindness? So spiritually speaking, kindness is the energy flow of expanding beyond myself to recognize you. It's a flow outward, giving to another person, acknowledging another person, recognizing the other, as opposed to gevura, which is the opposite energy, strength, which has to do with my own personal space, my own boundaries, my own individuality. So chesed is expansion beyond self. So says the Baal Shem Tov, when a sexual immorality and, and the highest form of that is, is incest, is the ultimate lack of boundaries. It's the ultimate chesed. It's too much chesed, too much kindness, too much giving, too much free flow. And, and that's why typically <coughs> people that are challenged in the area of boundaries are often very kind people, very extroverted, outgoing people. Because it's really the same character trait. It's just out of proportion. It's out of control. So a generation that's guilty of too much kindness, lack of boundaries, how does Hashem respond in kind? So Kabbalistically, the, the energy of chesed, of kindness, corresponds to the element of water. Water represents the life-giving source of kindness. It represents that which flows. Expand, expansion, right? Water will always expand and fill the space. And therefore, too much kindness, the response is too much water, a flood. And that's exactly what happens. A generation that doesn't have proper boundaries, the, the waters just overflow and flood the world. So what's Noah's job here in this generation? So we understand that the righteous people of a generation, their job is to try to balance out the generation. In one way they do that is by telling others and trying to get people to change, teaching. And the other way to do that is through their own individual work on themselves. So the Talmud seems to say that, suggests that Noah did not try hard enough to get people to change. He didn't go out of his way enough. But on the other token, it says that he did actually do something very public with the intention, the express intention of getting people to think. What was Noah commanded to do for a, a large portion of his life? And that was to build an ark. An ark was this massive boat. And he was literally building this boat for years so that people would come and say, what are you doing? What's going on? He would say, because of the way people are acting, there's going to be a flood. And he tried to get people to change in that way. But there's something much deeper. Because the word ark in Hebrew is teva. And the word teva literally means a box. Noah was commanded to build a box. What does a box represent? The exact opposite of chesed. Boundaries. Something that is boxed in. Something that is cut off and defined. Noah was showing the generation literally with his actions that you have to build boundaries. I'm warning you, a flood is coming. Build boundaries. Become aware of your personal space. Don't infringe that which needs to be separate. And then 
an amazing thing happens. So Noah's told to try to balance out the nation by building boundaries. But then what is he commanded to do during the flood? While the waters are raging on the earth, Noah becomes, as I heard someone once say, a holy zookeeper. He is busy 24-7, the Talmud talks about, feeding these animals, literally around the clock, taking care of a zoo, a boat filled, filled with every species on earth. How that works physically and how it would fit in, the Talmud says it was a miracle, but he's literally doing acts of kindness 24-7 around the clock. Because the Torah, Hashem is telling him a message. You need boundaries, but you also need kindness. It's just that your chesed has to be done within boundaries of the box. That's literally the message of the flood. Do kindness, but do it within boundaries. We should all be blessed to find balance within ourselves. And this is what I believe the Talmud is telling us, that in his generation, Noah was considered a tzaddik, a righteous person. But had he been in the generation of Avram, he would have been considered nothing. doesn't mean that he himself would have been nothing. But his spiritual work, his avoda, his life's mission would have been considered nothing. Why? Because in Avram's generation, the problem was the exact opposite. Avram lived in a generation where there was a society called Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah. And Avram spent his life fighting against the value system of Sodom. What did Sodom teach? In Sodom, the message was kindness is immoral. Do not do kindness. There were laws in Sodom that it was forbidden to give charity. It was forbidden to welcome guests into your home. Anyone caught giving charity would be burned at the stake. So Sodom is a generation that has too much gavura, too much strength, the opposite of the generation of the flood. And therefore, Sodom is destroyed. How? Well, how do you symbolize strength? If kindness is water, then strength is symbolized by fire. It consumes. It draws into itself. And Sodom is destroyed with fireballs, with fire and brimstone, literally, and sulfur. And Sodom is turned into the Dead Sea. Dead Sea actually is the location of where Sodom was. And the Dead Sea is a place of salt. And salt represents strength. Salt preserves. Whereas sugar represents kindness. It's sugar and water, which cause things to dissolve. Salt preserves. Salt represents strength. Therefore, on Shabbos, we dip the challah, which is represented by kindness, into salt, which represents strength. We always want to balance the strength. And 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 the and the kindness. So too uh, on Shabbos, there's a custom to draw a little drop, draw drop a little bit of water into the wine, because wine represents strength, sharp, and water represents kindness. So you always want to balance things out. So Avram was going to the other extreme in his generation. Avram was all about kindness. He was Mister Chesed. His tent was open on all four sides. He's called the Ivri, which means the one from over there who cra- crossed over the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. His whole life, he's crossing over borders and boundaries from one country to another. He comes to Israel, then he goes to Egypt, and he goes back and here and there and back to Mesopotamia and Iraq and, and Syria. And his whole life, he's traveling all over. And his whole life is devoted to giving out free food. He has a soup kitchen in his tent, him and Sarah. 
So Avram represents Chesed. He's trying to balance out a generation. If Noah had been born in the generation of Avram, his spiritual worth work of building borders and boundaries, of building a teva, a box, would have been considered nothing. So we have to figure out what's uniquely needed in our generation and what's uniquely needed in our own self based on our personality. We all have extremes. We all have things that are out of balance, out of alignment within ourself, within our personality. We have to figure out a way to go to balance. Sometimes you have to bend the paper the opposite direction in order to bring it back to the middle. So all we've left to figure out what, what our unique work is in, in ourself and in our times, and we should, we should do that work and help to bring balance to the universe.